Welcome to Liberated Living Ministries with John and Beverly Sheesby. You are listening to the Seed to Seed message for April 2023. For more information on this podcast and our other resources, please visit our website, liberatedliving.com. Grace to you and greetings to you from Glenpool, Oklahoma. I pray that you are prospering and you are in health as your soul prospers. And uh, that is the theme of these messages uh, the last two months and this month, the prosperous soul. And so we're going to get into message number three this month. But first, I just want to say Bev and I are doing well. We've had a great month. We had a visit from our family from Colorado Springs. They came down because Braden, our eldest grandson, is uh, interested in going to Oral Roberts University and it was what they called Quest. It was two days of visiting on the campus of students from high school and uh, it was a great time. He thoroughly enjoyed it and uh, we were thrilled to have them down. He also, a friend of his came as well with the friend's mother and so we had a full house for those few days and it was a glorious time. We just thank the Lord for His blessing and His goodness and that we have a house big enough to hold nine people. And so, uh, yeah, we, we rejoiced in having that time. Our family here in Tulsa, Tracy and Matt and their family are doing well. We had got together at Matt's mother's home on Easter Sunday with Matt's brother and his wife from florida and just had a family meal together and it was a fun time so well this is an exciting month for us too we're right now in the middle of the month and we'll be going back to nashville next week for four conferences and we'll we do two conferences concurrently in one week and then we have uh, four days in between or five days in between and we're just going to stay on in Nashville so that we can visit with our friends and not just put so much wear and tear on our bodies, driving backwards and forwards or also not flying. We, the last time we flew, we had a, an incident happen. And uh, in fact, Bev was able to intervene in, a, in a, an assault on a young girl who was sitting next to her in the plane. And in fact, Bev just spoke to... FAA yesterday, a director of safety, and he was saying that uh, there had been such a, a big growth or increase in incidents with passengers behaving badly. And so we're happy to be able to drive to Nashville and stay there and drive back. I think I mentioned to you we were able, uh, through the gift of someone to the ministry we were able to purchase a new vehicle to replace our ministry vehicle which is 12 years old and has 130,000 plus miles and we were able to buy a brand new vehicle and so it's it's a joy to be able to to drive in a new vehicle we're happy to be going to Nashville uh, some of you have asked about attending those things and uh, you know it is a closed group people pay membership to belong to shop fix academy and so it's not open to the public if it was up to us we'd we'd throw it open to everyone because it's such a phenomenal thing for the shop owners 
uh, they're learning so much and you know just to see the incredible transformation and growth is just uh, such a joy to me and I just bless the Lord for Aaron Stokes and the vision God has given him and the things God is doing in ShopFix Academy. It's transforming people's lives, not just those shop owners who come, but also those who work in their businesses and they are prospering and it's, it's a wonderful thing to see. So this month we're going back to the messages I preached at Grace Covenant Worship Center in Georgia on the prosperous soul and we're dealing with the third one and that is uh, John's prayer of for his beloved Gaius that he would prosper and be in health as his soul prospers and he said this I have no greater joy than to see my children walking in the truth so the sign of a prosperous soul and the word prosperous is a good journey and so it implies movement. And then he says, I have no greater joy than to see my children walking in the truth. Walking implies movement as well. And truth is not just static. It's always going to be transformative and affect the way we walk. And so this month, we're going to look at the truth of a renewed mind, the renewing of the mind. And so I pray that this message will be a blessing to you as you listen to it and that it will bring transformation to you, and that God will show you things that might need to be transformed in your mind so that you can have a prosperous soul. Bless you. Well, thank you. you she's my greatest fan, what can I say? <laughs> if she wants to sleep next to me, she needs to be. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> All right. The third epistle of John, verses 1 to 4. We're going back to this passage. And I, <clears throat> you know, as I've had a bit of a cold, so my voice has dropped. I've become the base. So, but it's going to last. The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. And as I pointed out last night and again this morning, that's a bad translation. The King James Version gets it right. He says, I pray above all things that you may prosper and be in health. When I think of you, my primary prayer for you is that you may prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. And of course, you know, some religious deadhead changed it because they thought that's not a very noble spiritual prayer to pray for somebody that they may prosper above all things that they may prosper and be in health. But when you understand the heart of the Father... Because he says, whom I love in the truth. For, and then he says, for I rejoice greatly when brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you. Just as you walk in the truth, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. And a father's greatest joy is to see his children being prosperous and successful. If you're a whole father, now if you're damaged, 
because your father made you work hard and earn everything that you got. You know, I, I, I can't believe the mentality that we have in the world of very wealthy people saying, I'm not giving money to my kids. They need to work for what they get. That's so ungodly. That's so unbiblical because the biblical pattern is a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. And the wealth of the wicked is stored up for the righteous. The wealth of the wicked will never come to us until we recognize that God cares about generational uh, blessings, anointings, and wealth being passed down from generation to generation. So he says, above all things, I pray that you may prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. And that's our theme for these days, soul prosperity. Because when your soul is prosperous, it leads to prosperity in every area of your life and health in your body as well. And so we're talking about soul prosperity. Last night we looked at, well, first of all, it's clear from what he's saying in verse 3 that the way he discerned the soul prosperity in Gaius was that Gaius was walking in the truth. I rejoice greatly when brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you, just as you walk in the truth. And soul prosperity is when your life becomes conformed to the truth of God's word. When your soul becomes healed, when your emotions become healed, when your mind is renewed to the truth of God's word and it begins to express itself in, the, in your walk and you're walking in the truth. So last night we looked at soul prosperity in in the area of walking in the truth of uh, righteousness and being skilled in the word of righteousness. We looked from Hebrews chapter 5 about being skilled in the word of righteousness. I'm not going to go back there because you can go back on and see it online. And then this morning we looked at the truth of faith. Walking in the truth of faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And the word of God in us and the work of the Holy Spirit in us is to move out of the way everything that, that wars in us against trusting the Father. Healing us in every area where we've been damaged and wounded and hurt and so on, so that we can trust the Father for His goodness, for His blessing, for the prosperity that He wants to bring to us, for the wholeness that He wants to bring into our bodies. And so faith. Now tonight, I want to sort of have an all-encompassing word, and that is this, that the truth we need to be walking in (coughs) is the truth of what I will call the renewing of the mind. And we get that from Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, where Paul says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. When you grow up in this world, in various ways, you are conformed to this world system. And then you get born again, but you don't automatically suddenly change into a kingdom mindset and kingdom mentality and walking in kingdom ways. And so spiritual transformation comes 
through the renewing of your mind so that the, the uh, as J.B. Phillips says, don't let the world press you into its mold. If you are passive as far as God's truth is concerned, the world will press you into its mold. You will conform to the world. You'll conform to what your parents taught you. You'll conform to what you learned in your culture, in society, and, and so on. And so there's an active activity of the Holy Spirit operating through the truth of God's word to conform us or transfigure us, transform us into the image of God. Uh, this, this word that is used, uh, the transformed by the renewing of your mind is exactly the same word that is used of Jesus transfiguration on the mountain I want us to look at the at the two verses just quickly first of all in Matthew 17 1 and 2 I want to just read that um, to you and then we're going to look at Luke's record of the event Now, after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, led them up on a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. And the Greek word is met, from which we get metamorphosis. His whole form was changed. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Luke says this in Luke nine twenty eight and 29. Now it came to pass about eight days after these things that he took Peter, John, and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And as he prayed, the appearance of his face was altered. The appearance of his face was altered. And so what God is doing in us and through our, our souls being transformed is the appearance of our face, of his face in us, is being altered and we are being conformed to his image. That's a glorious thing. It's a wonderful process of the Holy Spirit through the truth of God's word. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. It's a spiritual renewal. It's not just about studying verses of scripture. As Bev was speaking to uh, the brother who's a, a student at Bible school, I was reminded of when I was at Bible school before I went to seminary. You're studying theology or studying the word and it leaves you cold. Close the books, get down on your knees. And ask the Holy Spirit to fill your spirit. Because he said the study of the word of God should never be textbook. It should always be transformative. It's, it's always em- encountering, embracing, and being transformed by the truth of God's word. Being conformed to the image of his son. And honestly, because of the years I spent at Bible school and seminary, It took years to undo some of the damage of the theological education that I had. I hate to say that, but it's the truth. Because I received so much of the wisdom of men, I was conformed to the world in terms of religion. Come on. And so the Spirit of God is the one who is operative. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. 
Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, it's a spiritual renewal where my mind becomes renewed and therefore I, the appearance, the appearance of my life changes to be conformed to his life. Now, so many times, you know, the, the areas of transformation in us, we don't even recognize how deep the roots of religion or the deep roots of culture are in us and how prejudiced we are in a certain direction simply because of the way we've been raised culturally or the dom- denomination we've been a part of. You know, I was raised Baptist. My daddy was a Baptist preacher. We thought all those Pentecostals were nuts. You know, the holy rollers down the road kind of thing. You know, and we judged them as being superficial in the word. You can you believe how dumb you can be? But I mean, that's the I, I was raised in that. I had a superiority complex because I was Baptist. <laughs> wow, how blinded you can be! But God had to just strip away so much of that stuff in me, and I can remember second, you know, one day. In my quiet time, reading 1 Corinthians chapter 2, you know, eye has not seen nor has ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him, but God has revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. And then he says, we have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is from God that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Can I tell you that the spirit of the world will deprive you of walking in the things of God that he has for you? Because knowledge puffs up, Paul says. And so often, you know, we, we get full of knowledge, but it's not spirit revelation knowledge. And I can remember that day in my study being absolutely, it was like God confronted me that I had received the spirit of the world through my theological education. And it led to me getting rid of most of my library because I gloried in the words of man. And God just showed me how I had set through the, 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 the Mount of Transfiguration. When Moses and Elijah showed up on the mountain, Peter said, Oh, Lord, it's so good for us to be here. Let's build three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And when he said that, God just moved in, overshadowed them, a cloud encompassed them. And God said, this is my beloved son. You hear him. Don't you dare put Moses and Elijah on a par with Jesus. Don't you dare put Professor so-and-so and and Dr. so-and-so and and this person on a par with Jesus. Jesus is the truth. He's the authority. Right? And yet I had learned through, you know, reading books and books and books, I had learned stuff that polluted my spirit instead of liberating me into the truth. And... So here's the process that we're in. Our souls are being transformed through an encounter with truth in God's word through the Holy Spirit. And it's a wonderful process to allow my soul to become prosperous. 
<laughs> oh boy. You know, it's it's pretty it's pretty frightening when God strips so much of the stuff that you've depended upon away from you. And you suddenly you realize, man, I, I don't have anything left. Because you can ask Bev, I used to have these elaborate outlines for my messages. I'd print them out. They all were, you know, they all were alliterated. And I'd print them out for everybody in the congregation so they could take notes on these marvelous outlines. And then I had a dream. I was in a conference with Clark Witten in uh, Alabama and I had a dream one night, and out of my sermon notes were serpents and scorpions coming. And the Lord, when I woke up, the Lord said to me, ditch your sermon notes. Ditch your outlines. Well, I've got a little outline, you know, just a, a, a few points over here, just to, just to keep me. But, you know... Basically, there's, there's nothing elaborate anymore because I was relying on the wisdom of man instead of depending on the Holy Spirit of God. And so the more I've yielded to the Holy Spirit and to the truth as he has taught me, the more prosperous my soul has become and the more prosperous my soul has become, the more prosperous I've become in my life. I, I want to tell you about uh, Bev. We had a situation arise in our family. There was a broken relationship in our family. And Bev, being the mama that she is, you know, was, was just burdened by this. And every day, every day she'd pray. Every day she'd go to the Lord and she'd assail the, the, the throne of God with requests for God to heal the situation in our family. Hmm? And restore, and restore our, the, the family situation. And then one day she woke up and in her heart there was this line. And I think she's told the story here, but some of you weren't here, so it bears retelling. There was just the line of a song that she sang when she was in youth choir, when she was back at church. Um, it's, it's a hymn that goes, oh, listen to our wondrous story, counted once amongst the lost, yet one came down from heaven's glory, saving us at awful cost. And then the chorus is, who saved us from eternal loss? Who but God's son upon the cross? Where is he now? Oh, he died for you. Where is he now? In heaven interceding. And that line, he's in heaven interceding. And she asked me when she got up, she said, "Where there are verses of scripture that talk about his intercessory ministry. She knew one of them from Hebrews, the one where it says he ever lives to make intercession for us. And there's, a, a, you know, the Romans 8 is the other passage, talks about intercession. And as we were, dri- we were actually driving to Nashville to go to a conference, when the Lord spoke to her and said, Why are you interceding? I'm interceding. Would you quit and just release it to me? Because I'm interceding. And Beverly laid it down. She didn't pray again for it. And God began (laughs) to do the restoration without all of her prayers. We see, that was religion. That was the way she had been taught. You've got to pray. You've got to keep on praying. But do you understand that when Jesus talked about ask and keep on asking, he was, pre- he was teaching under the old covenant. 
Ask and keep on asking. You don't have to ask and keep on asking. You ask one time because you're his child, he hears you. And then leave it with him and praise him for the answer. Isn't that right? But we think it's up to us to just keep on going, you know, kind of thing. And our souls get so worn down because then we become discouraged and depressed because God isn't answering the prayers that we're taking to the throne of grace every day saying, God, do this and that. He is pretty good in his intercessory work, wouldn't you say? So why don't you release it to him and just go about your Life and have fun. And it took three years, yes, but you know, it took three years from when the rupturing of the relationship to, to the restoration. But David prayed for three years. And then when she quit, God did it. <laughs> See, a prosperous soul leads to prosperity in every area. And that prosperous soul comes through our minds being renewed to the truth of God's word and him dismantling all the religious structures or the cultural structures that we have within us, you know, that cause us to do certain things in a certain way because mama did it that way. Daddy did it that way. Well, that's how I was taught to do it. It doesn't matter what you were taught. It's what is the Spirit saying to you now. See? So he's trying to renew us in the spirit of our minds. Now, there's a verse. Well, you all know the verse, but we're going to look at it in John chapter 8. John chapter 8. Jesus, some of the Jews believed on him. And so this is what it then says. Then said Jesus... 8 verse 31 then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him if you abide in my word you are my disciples indeed and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free if you abide in my word then are you my disciples indeed and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free so we can, we can deduce from that verse, if you aren't free, it's because you don't know truth in some area. I've discovered this, that any place in which my life doesn't look like Jesus, it's because I've believed a lie. Because only a lie will keep you from walking in total freedom to express who Jesus is. And so the whole purpose of going to the word is opening up your life to let the word be that beacon of truth that exposes the lie that you have believed. See, there's so many times, particularly in the area of emotional wounding, and when we're talking about the renewing of the mind, obviously the mind and the thoughts are connected to the emotions. And out of the wounding that we've gone through, we... We make certain deductions and we have certain judgments based upon those wounds. And so God has to shine the light into those areas of our lives to let us see the emotional damage that has occurred, which has caused us to have the mindset that we do have. For example, if you've been betrayed, you have a hard time trusting 
If somebody has disappointed you, you have a hard time believing in the veracity of a person. See, and here's the thing that bugs me so much, going back to the illustration of Bev. When you keep praying about a thing and you see no result, every time you ask again, it puts another layer of unbelief because you're disappointed. You're not seeing the result. And you become more and more disappointed until your praying becomes more desperate and more faithless. Am I right or am I right? Right. And so as a result of that, what is the lie that I've believed there? I've believed the lie that it's up to me to move the hand of God. And if I don't do it enough, and you know, with enough volume and say the right words, he's not going to move. That, that's absolute nonsense. God is for you. The word teaches who can be against you. Um, is, is the brother here who told me the story about being under his car? Yes, there you are. Yeah, he, he told me this. He was listening to how many years ago? 2013, he was working under his car, lying under his car, listening to one of my messages in which I was talking about Romans 8. If God be for us, who can be against us? He who spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him freely give us all things? Who shall bring any charge charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. And the father spoke to him and, and said, I am not judging you and that was the liberation point where he received his sonship see the problem is so many of us have grown up in religion that says God is examining you all the time and you better shape up because if you find something wrong with you you know you're going to get it in the neck that's a lie who shall bring any charge against God's elect it is God who justifies he's declared you to be righteous so why would he find fault with you He's already said you're righteous. He can't see anything but the righteousness of his son in you. But religion has told you, God is watching. God is watching. God is watching from a distance. No, he's not from a distance. He lives within you. He's not watching you from a distance. Yeah, we hear that, oh, that, you know, it's a little sentimental song that is absolutely hellish untruth. He's not watching. He's seeing the righteousness of Jesus because you believed in him. And so our minds have got to be continually renewed so that our souls will become prosperous, so that there'll be nothing in us that wars against prosperity coming to us. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. So where I'm not free, I need to go to him and say, Lord, would you expose the lie that I have believed? And here's how you get free from a lie. You forgive whoever it was that introduced that lie to you. I've had to go through, and I'm no, we, you, you all have had to go through forgiveness. I've had to go through toward my parents. They did the best that they could, but they raised me with some lies. 
My daddy was raised in poverty, one of 11 children on the banks of the Vaal River in South Africa. 11 kids, that's a lot of mouths to feed. And they had, uh, you know, they had uh, fruit orchards, but their main income was from alluvial diamondings on the bank of the Vaal River. As you know, South Africa is famous for diamonds. And so they'd dig in the banks and surfed and, you know, find diamonds. But finding diamonds was very sparse. And as a result, you know, his father would say to the kids, eat up all your food. You don't know if there'll be food tomorrow which was true for them. But my daddy used to say the same thing to me. Eat everything on your plate because you don't know there'll be, will there'll be food tomorrow. Well, guess what? That sows in, uh, in a child. Unbelief. I'm not sure God can provide my need for tomorrow. So eat all you can and can the rest, you know, for tomorrow, just in case. <laughs> Are you hearing me? So you're not, you're not never going to get into the prosperity that God has for you while you've got those underlying lies that you have believed until the Spirit of God comes and renews your mind to the truth and exposes the lie and you recognize that and you can forgive the person who programmed you with that lie. And God had to do that to me, you know, anyway. I, I won't go into the, the story of, of how it happened to me. But it's so wonderful to get free through the word of, through the, the truth. Be renewed. Be transformed. Have your face changed into the appearance of Jesus. By the encounter with truth in the Word, by the Holy Spirit. That's why you read the Bible. It's not to get information, it's to receive revelation that produces transformation. That's why you come together as a body to hear the Word preached. It's not just to hear a good sermon, it's to encounter the truth who is Jesus in the word so that you might be transformed. I love 2 Corinthians 3.18. We all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. The veils that have to be removed are the veils of religion. That's the context there. The veil of of the Old Testament law and everything you have to earn. And, you know, Israel had that on them because they were under the law. God had given them the law. But now the veil has been removed, Paul says. When anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. And the Lord is the Spirit. So when anyone turns to the Spirit... The veil is removed. Our, our whole spiritual life is an encounter with the Holy Spirit who is the Spirit of truth, who Jesus said would lead us into all truth. And your connection to the Holy Spirit, your vulnerability to the Holy Spirit day by day is giving him the opportunity to do his transformative work in you and bring you into conformity to the image of Christ.
Now, I love what Paul says there. We all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. The mirror isn't primarily the word. The mirror is the Holy Spirit. He is the mirror image of Jesus. Right? As Jesus is the mirror image of the Father. But the Holy Spirit never does his work apart from the truth of the word of God. That's so beautiful. There's such a harmonious work between the word and the spirit to bring transformation in us. We all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. And where else do you see the Holy Spirit? Thank you. You're right. In one another. Because the spirit of God in you has something to impart to me. That's why we need one another in the body of Christ. Because apart from what is in your life and what the Spirit has done in you, I'm deprived of another dimension of the glorious face of Jesus Christ. And so in community with God's people, there's a powerful transformation as we relate to one another in the bonds of love. And that's good. And that's good. So, you know, when, when, when Pastor Alex encourages you to be here for the service, it's not because, you know, he wants numbers. It's because he wants to see you changed. He wants to see you set free by the truth of God's word. And as I said, you know, last night, and what he says, yeah, I have no greater joy than to see my children walking in the truth. There is no greater joy for somebody in ministry than to see people's lives. Now, I've heard a preacher who I greatly respect say we shouldn't find our joy in success in ministry. Well, tell that to John. Because John says, I have no greater joy than this. What are we in ministry for if not to see our children our spiritual children, those entrusted to our care, being transformed by the truth and them walking in the truth. Ah. Now, here's the wonderful thing. You look around and you look at your fellow believers, brothers and sisters, and you see the glory of the Lord in them. You see, see, how many of you were touched this morning as um, Gerald shared his story? Now you see, there, there's a dimension of the glory of the Lord revealed in that story because it encouraged you. Well, good night. There are Uber drivers or, you know, there are people all around who are hurting we don't know their story. We don't take time to hear their story. We're so busy. And so there was an impartation through Gerald. And many of you, your hearts were touched. And you wrote those notes to Christy this morning. And many of you donated financially to bless her and so on. That's a dimension of the truth. Being transforming you. Getting prosperous in your soul. And the wonderful thing is this, the more that you give to others, the more that comes into you, because that's the nature of the Father. 
as you become a giver, you become a sower, so it comes back to you. So when, when you, you say, well, I don't have any friends and so on, well, show yourself friendly. Become a friend to, to others and you'll receive the gift of friendship back. So a prosperous soul is a soul that is walking in the truth and having their mind renewed through the word of God, having the spirit of God take the word of God and transforming them inwardly. There's such a glorious transformation that takes place. You know, and and I'm not trying to give the impression that it happens just like that. It's a process. It's a process as you walk. I love the, the concept of the fact that prosperity means a good journey. You're on a journey. And he said, I have no greater joy than to see my children walking in the truth. It's a walk. It's not a full stop and all of a sudden everything is transformed. It's as you're walking, as you're going. So it's taking place. So I want to speak a blessing over you this evening. Because I really believe, as I said this morning, I believe God wants to raise up in the body of Christ people who are so prosperous that as we saw this morning with, with uh, Isaac, the Philistines envied him because he began to prosper and continue to prosper until he became very prosperous. There should be stuff happening in your life that makes the world look at you and be envious of you because of what God is doing in your life. And the way it shines, I'm just sorry to say, is through prosperity, financially, economically, in your children, in your marriages, prosperity in every area of your lives. That's where the world can see it. They can't see the inner working necessarily. They see the outworking of the inworking of a prosperous soul. Okay? And that makes them jealous. They want to know what is it that you've got. I can remember Bev went to South Africa to speak in a Bible conference uh, or a conference in a church in East London. It was a big national conference and Tony Campolo was one of the speakers. And when Bev walked into the green room, as they call it, It wasn't green. But Tony Campolo just said to Bev, What's on you, girl? He saw the glory of the Lord. (laughs) See, the world should see the glory of the Lord. Uh, I've shared this with you before. Uh, I think I have. But my life was so challenged when I was pastoring my first church. When a lady showed up in our church, her name was Zorka Forbes. She was Romanian, but she had married an Englishman. So she had Zorka and then Forbes. She had married an Englishman. And, and she was the most original person that I had met up to that time. Because she came in and she was so full of Jesus. And she just radiated Jesus. And she was so comfortable in herself and her identity in Christ. 
And she, this is how she evangelized. She'd say to somebody, can you see Jesus in me? (coughs) And then she'd say, you ought to be able to, because Jesus lives in me. And then she'd start talking to them. Can you see Jesus in me? She challenged me. I mean, God sent Zorka Forbes into my life to challenge my religiosity. Can you see Jesus in me? See, the world needs to see the reality of Jesus in you and how they're going to see it, except that there's an impact that you're prospering and you're in health because your soul is prospering. They can't see the inner working, but they can see the prosperity and they can see the the wholeness and the life that's coming through you. So that's my prayer for y'all. (laughs) Y'all. Father, I thank you for this group of believers here at Grace Covenant Worship Center and from other uh, bodies around, other fellowships. Lord, I'm asking you to raise up your people. Would you give us prosperous souls so that we will prosper in every area of our lives with a visible prosperity that will impact the people around us and that we'll be well in our bodies so that the world will recognize that we have a healing Jesus who heals us from all our diseases. Lord, I speak a blessing over this fellowship. I speak the reality of the operation of the Holy Spirit working in our lives day by day, transforming us from the inside out so that we prosper, our souls prosper, our inner man prospers. Now, I don't know, you know, I've hit on, on various areas, but the thing that I'm concerned about predominantly is this, that so many of us don't move off center because we haven't released the past. We're dragging the past with us, and we can't escape from the past. And we're praying and asking God to free us, but we've got to let go. We've got to let go of our judgments. We've got to let go of the hurts. We've got to forgive those who have wronged us. We've got to let, um, sometimes we've got to be willing to suffer financial loss by forgiving somebody who has defrauded us so that we can be free to enter into prosperity. Because as long as we're holding that offense, Satan is able to steal from us, according to Matthew 18. And so, Lord, I'm asking you to lead us to that place where we are ruthless in dealing with the hurts of the past, where we don't rest until we have forgiven, we've canceled the debts, We have released the judgments that we have made against those who have wounded us, wronged us, wrongly uh, uh, accused us, 
those who have programmed into us wrong uh, thinking, help us to be brutal and ruthless in dealing with those areas because we're just imprisoning ourselves and preventing ourselves from advancing and being prosperous and being in health. I'm going to share the story with you, you know. Um, um, what's that? About Brad. Okay, we, I'm going to delete it from our tape that we send out. But our son came by and they had gone on vacation down to Florida and uh, oh, Alabama. They were in Orange Beach. And on their way back, they spent a night at our house and we were in Nashville. And all of a sudden, in the middle of the night, he started with an acute appendicitis. And his wife took him into hospital and he had a, his appendix had started to burst. And so... Uh, they took out his appendix, and so they stayed for an extra couple of days. And, um, you know, he's in commercial real estate, and he's done well in the past, but things had become pretty stagnant and pretty tight for him. And uh, so we're sitting there in our den, and all of a sudden a commercial comes up for a university, uh, Grand Canyon University, and Brad says the people who rented my house in Wichita Falls, they didn't pay their rent. And they said, oh, they couldn't afford to pay their rent because they had to send money for their son's education at Grad Canyon University. So it was a, just a God... Huh? It was, random. it was just random. It was a, just a setup from God that that was the commercial that came up. And so Bev immediately said, well, Brad, have you forgiven him? And Brad said, I don't even remember his name. But Bev said, you need to forgive him. And Brad was, uh, you know, not very excited about it. <laughs> and then as they, were the, you know, the, as they were leaving, his wife Jessica came to Bev and said, we cannot leave this house until Brad has forgiven. Because Satan is stealing from us because he hasn't cancelled that debt. And so Bev took him into the bedroom and said, Brad, come with me. And <laughs> Our 46-year-old son. And Bev just said, Brad, you need to forgive. And he was reluctant to do it, but Bev was just, you know, insistent, strong enough, as you can imagine. She can be as strong as Lysol soap, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> And she wouldn't let him go until he had forgiven. And someone else had defrauded him of $10,000 as well, and so on. And he forgave. And the breakthrough has come for them financially in a wonderful way. I mean, just these last two months, he's, con he's, he's closed so many deals on real estate, and he's flourishing and so on. You know, sometimes you just need to become forceful with saying, I need to forgive, you know, because otherwise Satan can steal from you, your increase. So, uh, uh, you know, I probably uncovered my son in that, but I, I felt to tell that story 
and I'll just expunge it from the message that I put up on the internet. Her father, I don't know why I told that story, but it's for somebody here who needs to cancel a debt, who needs to forgive, who's experiencing the enemy stealing their prosperity because they're holding an offense. So, Lord, I ask you to give them the courage to be brutal in dealing with those offenses. Now, Lord, on a wonderful note, we want to thank you for your Holy Spirit, who is at work within us through the word to bring transformation, to renew our minds to the truth so that we prosper in our souls. And I'm asking you, Lord, tonight for an impartation of your Holy Spirit to every one of us in this place. And we'll just open up to you, Spirit of God, for you to do your work in us, renewing our minds so that our souls might prosper, so that we may prosper and be in health as our soul prospers. Thank you for your people here. Thank you, Lord, for the way they have received us. Thank you for the blessing we derive from being with them. Thank you for the way they have blessed us as well financially. I just give you thanks and I speak your blessing again on on the leadership here, on Pastor Alex, Sister Jill, and all the leaders, Kenneth and everyone else who's on the council, whatever body there is. And Lord, just to thank you for what you are doing and will continue to do in this place. We give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. This is the conclusion of this message. Thank you for listening to the ministry of John and Beverly Sheesby. For more information on this podcast and other resources, please visit our website, liberatedliving.com.